Previously on The Fanboys. Friends don't let friends be friends with people who go to friends. So the 49ers long snapper is suspended. Mm -hmm. 10 games for PEDs. Mike Leach for president. But out of 120 minutes of regulation, Georgia has led for 118 minutes and 59 seconds. Um, But I think the best game being played, kind of a dark horse underdog, Iowa State, Washington State. Back-to-back national champions with their backup quarterback. Back-to-back-to-backup quarterback. You know know it's draft season when you just hear, Todd, 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 Todd. There's some coaching changes here. Uh, People losing their jobs, people retiring, people faking injured to get out of their job. And you can smoke all the weed you want. Honestly, look at Josh Smith. He missed two years for smoking weed, and now he's back with the Patriots. I mean, you can Josh smoke Gordon. as much as you Jesus want. Jesus Christ. Josh, what I you say? said Josh Smith. No, I didn't. Yeah, you definitely said Josh Smith. Josh Smith. Who the fuck is I Josh Smith? I don't fucking know. Some guy you said. We're going to check the tapes I said on Josh, this. I said Josh Gordon. And so I need to no, see yeah, this consistency. Yeah. I need If they beat Philly this week, I'm probably all aboard. And welcome to episode 14, Jake, of the Fanboys. Man, we have been doing this for a while now, 14 weeks uh, doing this show, and I've loved every second of it. And uh, we have a great show in store, as we always do, SC Basketball College takeaway, NFL takeaway, Jake. As we always start off the show, we continue our all-time favorites list with our favorite linebackers. We have our talking points, of course, and then the Cowboys. Writing a uh, pretty impressive winning streak, I have to say, nonetheless. And then, of course, Jake, we have Good or Not in store for everybody. One of our favorite games that you and I like to play. We have no idea if anybody like else likes hearing us play it, but I sure do enjoy it. So we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, no, we do this for us, not not anyone else. We don't do this for the you know for the joy of anybody else listening. We don't really care. No, we actually do care if people listen. Especially if they give us money. Please send money. Send, send money. All right. Well, this uh, this episode has already gotten off track. All right. So, Jake, <laughs> let's let's just get this thing started. All right, Jake. And well, last episode we were watching live the friends. Southwestern game. It was happening as we were actually recording our show, and unfortunately, uh, we were giving live updates, and uh, Southwestern suffered their first loss of the season against Friends at home. It was a bit of a weird night. Uh, you know, obviously, the magic wasn't quite there as it usually is in Stewart Fieldhouse. Uh, Friends got a rare road win over Southwestern, but a bounce back victory against St. Mary on the road, 80 to 67. Still 11 and 1, and actually uh, improved in the rankings, or ranked number 12th in the nation right now. Right, yeah. I mean, a loss to a receiving votes friends team when it's your first loss of the season shouldn't hurt you too much in the national rankings, and they're going to have plenty of time to make it up with, you know, Oklahoma Wesleyan, who's number four in the country, still coming up. Uh, I've got number three. Or number three. three. They jumped up one. Okay, number three in the nation. Uh, I mean, that's a a gigantic game. Uh, They'll get friends again. Uh, I think the KCAC is going to get three teams in the tournament this year. It's kind of a bold prediction I have. I think uh, I don't think I, I think you're right, and I don't think it. No offense, Jake. I don't think it's that bold. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I it just seems bold because I haven't seen it happen in basketball yet, which is 
kind of crazy because I think the KCAC has been good enough for a while now to have that, but they haven't gotten the respect. But it seems like this year they're finally getting that respect nationally because they've performed so well at the national tournament over the past four or five years or or however long it's been. Yeah, Jake, and I wanted to shout out our women's team did get the win at St. Mary's too, so Southwestern getting a clean sweep uh, last Saturday. So, I mean, congratulations to the the women's. I mean, they're a young team and – uh, very young, rebuilding, rebuilding, and so. they're you know, and they're very. They just lost. Uh, actually, they just uh, lost the uh, greatest women's basketball player in school history. Uh, it was Jordan Miller a season ago. You know, uh, her senior year, she was really the focal point of that team for the last, really, the last four years since her freshman year. And so, once you lose a piece like that, all-time leading scorer on the women's side, uh, you know, when you lose a piece like that it's difficult to just bounce back in the next year and have a successful season. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, uh, after a really, really stu- tough start to the year for them, they've at least found a couple wins here in the last three or four games. And uh, that's definitely, you know, taking a step in the right direc- direction with, you know, one win at home and then a nice win over St. Mary on the road, which I don't think a lot of people really would have had them winning that game. So that that's uh, definitely the best win of the year for them. But yeah, Jake, they also started the season off, I mean, playing some ranked opponents very early on. Uh, number six, College of the Ozarks, I mean, and then number 20, Tabor. Uh, that was in their first, like, five games of the season. So you have a, a tough start to the season. It can look a little dim when you start the year off, but, you know, like you said, they're bouncing up and they have a solid win on their schedule now at St. Mary on the road. A lot of, you know, teams and a lot of people weren't predicting that to actually happen. So congratulations to the girls. We got to give them shout outs whenever they do uh, something good as well. Uh, And so, uh, but our men's team moving right along 11 and one and ranked number 12 in the nation. Uh, They just keep that train rolling. And so anyway, Jake, let's move on from SC Sports and SC Basketball. Let's go ahead and do our college and NFL takeaways. I started last week, so I will let you do the honors this week. All right, so my college takeaway is UMHB, the University of Mary Harden-Baylor, which uh, for those of you who are in not in Texas, not our Texas listener base, that is a, a school from our hometown. Uh, they are in Belton, Texas, and they're a Division three school. They've been a Division three powerhouse for years, and uh, they're back in the national championship game this year, and they're actually playing on Saturday, and it's actually in Texas, and I think it might be near you, Tanner, if I remember correctly. It's, it's near the Woodlands. Yeah, so it's near you. Uh, I was actually going to go to it, but I actually have a, a company – uh, Christmas party thing that day that I'm going to, but uh, um, yeah, that, I just that's exciting for them to be back in the national championship. They lost the national championship last year. They won it the year before. Uh, right. Whenever we so were kind of coming third up, year straight. Yeah, and when we were kind of coming up, they always lost in the semis, and so now they're starting to go to the national championship consistently because they actually have a functioning playoff system. And uh, they fought their way to the national championship, and uh, we'll see if they can pull it away. They blew out. I think it was Wisconsin Whitewater. Wisw- yes, and for anybody who has a who knows the history with Wisconsin Whitewater, UMHP had never beaten them, uh, or very rarely ever beat them. I mean, Wisconsin Whitewater has owned that record between those two teams. Uh, very, I mean, 
like by a lot. I mean, it, it's like Texas, Texas A and M owning that record. Uh, Wisconsin Whitewater has so Mary Harden Baylor able to jump ahead of them this year, winning thirty-one to fourteen at home, uh, and then now we'll play Mountain Union. Mountain Union. It has literally been Mountain Union and UMHB in the uh, national championship like. Four out of the last like five years, it's been one of those two teams. So uh, these two powerhouses going at it again. Essentially, in the Division Three ranks, it is very similar to Alabama, Clemson. Yes, that's actually a great comparison. Both teams have pretty good defenses. Uh, um, it, it's always been a low-scoring game. It'll be interesting to see what the score is this year because it's not in Virginia or some northern state where it's snowing. So it'll be interesting to see if the scoring goes up a little bit in this year's game because there's been bad weather in the last couple games. Well, I think the game that they won, Jake, it was like it was like six to zero. Like the the national championship they won was like ten to six or something ridiculously low scoring. And I'm pretty sure last year's game was like nine to zero or something stupid too, where they lost. It was snowing yeah. and terrible weather. Uh, neither team could move the ball, so uh, nice to see them move it to the uh, great state of Texas so they can get some good weather. Well, and then, you know, they realized, oh, shit, this is a horrible, you know, going up north this time of the year. This is a horrible way to do things. Let's actually correct what's wrong and make it in a place that it's not going to be bad weather to hold the most important game of the entire season for these two teams, unlike what the NCAA Division One level does by not correcting their mistake by having a four-team playoff. Yeah, I think uh, I think Mike Leach uh, said it said it best as we agreed yes, on last week. Yes, yes. If you haven't um, seen I that, had, go look at it. So, Jake, I actually uh, my college takeaway. I was going to change it last minute, and then I forgot what I was going to change it to because I didn't write it down. I just got lazy, um, and so I'm just going to go with my original. Never. It never, but so I'm just gonna go with my original takeaway. Uh, first ball game. Uh, that's of a really the year. good story, Tanner. Can you please tell that again before you do your takeaway? Because I really think everyone cares that you thought about changing it, but you didn't. <laughs> so I thought about changing my college Jesus. takeaway, Jake. But whenever I, because I saw a storyline that I wanted to do, and then I forgot to write it down, and now I forgot what that storyline was. The average so listening now, time on this episode is going to be like four minutes. So now I'm just going to change it back to my original. Actually, I didn't change Wait, it ever, I, so I'm just going to keep the original one. you didn't change it ever. Now you're saying you're going to change it back? <laughs> no, I never changed it. And so now, technically, I am just going to keep it where it's at. All right. Sorry, guys. He so, rode the short bus. It's okay. So college takeaway for Tanner is it is the first bowl game this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. If you have nothing to do on a Saturday, which you shouldn't, First bowl game, uh, the Air Force Reserve game uh, between North Carolina A&T versus Alcorn State. It is a noon kickoff, and there will be like three more games. I think Tulane plays or something like that. Some kind of – or uh, yeah, Tulane. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be a great game between two teams that no one cares about, but it kicks off the bowl season as it should uh, between two unknown opponents that – you might get about a hundred viewers on national television. Maybe. Uh, it'll Maybe. probably get more than that just cause it's the first bowl game and there's enough diehard, uh, like bowl game just fanatics co- out there and people who gamble. In general. Yeah. But, uh, True. I mean, I, if, if I'm at home, I'll probably flip it on just cause it's football, but 
Yeah, no, I I could care less. And then what really gets brutal is after this week. So I I can kind of get into the first bowl games because I'm like, all right, it's the first bowl games. But then after that, it's just like two weeks of shit games where you get like all it's the literally teams you after don't care Saturday. About. It's literally like after Saturday. I'm completely just not into college football bowl games until like the 26th or something like that. Yeah, it, it, a little bit later in the month. So I, it'll be interesting to see where our college takeaways go in the next week or two. Yeah, we're just going to have to find something. And college takeaway doesn't necessarily mean football. Just saying. It could be what? any college takeaway. There's things other than football to talk about? I mean... there's We can talk no, about things other than football? I mean, currently, no. No, we, we can't talk. In, but later on, can't. yes. <laughs> Just do your fucking NFL takeaway. God, oh. you're putting the show off the rails. Anyways, uh, my NFL takeaway is the Vikings are the biggest disappointment to this point in the season. I don't care if they're in the playoffs right now. This is a team we both had in the Super Bowl, and they can't yeah. beat a a team that's above 500. I mean, you, you saw that statistic. I'm pretty sure you would have seen it. Against teams that are 500 or above, they're like 0-5. And, and then all their wins are against below 500 teams, and they even have a loss to a below 500 team in the Buffalo Bills, who they got killed by at home. And their points per game against uh, top uh, you could, you know, because people think, well, the Vikings have a really good defense. They said that on the broadcast a lot, and it's like, no, against top five or against teams above five hundred, they are giving up almost thirty points a game. That's yeah, horrible. It, 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 it's horrible. It's horrible. Which leads me, Jake. We can just kind of mash our two together, basically. But my NFL takeaway is that whoever gets that NFC six spot will lose. I mean, I don't care if it's the Vikings, if it's the Panthers, or if it's the Eagles, they will lose in the first round, which is why, hint, hint, Dallas really needs to get that three spot really yeah, the, badly. The Eagles are dead. Wentz is out against the Rams if they lose yeah. that game. And, I, and Foles will done. not do the same thing he did last year. Foles no, will not do the same thing. The, Eagle, the Eagles are dead. They're done this year. Done chained. Yeah. Redskins are done chained. Eagles are done chained. I'm almost willing to put the Panthers on a done chain because they play the Saints this week. They lose this week, I think they're out. I mean, and they've I think lost, the Vikings what, five in a row. They've lost, or is it six, six in a row? They've lost it's six in a row because they were they were what six and one, and now they are yeah, six, six and, and seven. Yeah, that that always seems to have the Cowboys always have to play like some team who gets really hot at the start of the year, and then they just drop off a cliff. Like, how about oh, those yeah. trajectories? The Panthers at six and one, and the Cowboys were at three and five, and the Panthers beat the Cowboys. Uh, I bet not many people would have bet on uh, what's the Panthers losing six in a row and the Cowboys winning five in a row. Yeah, no, that would not have ever been in any. If I would you not bet have that on, on that. Vegas, Vegas lost money. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that uh, I, I would like to see the odds on that because you can get odds about on about anything in Vegas. Um, you would have had some pretty good odds on that one because uh, just about everyone thought the Cowboys were done, in- including both of us. Yeah, and Jake, we can uh, we have a really good transition about Vikings in that sixth spot with the Vikings and Seahawks playing on Monday night. However, let's go a little off the rails as we have already done at the very beginning of this show. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our all times favorites list, Jake, and then we'll go into good or not. So let's do all time favorites. And I will start off since you started off the takeaways. I'm going to go with Derek Johnson. 
one of my favorite linebackers at the University of Texas, and then he played at the Kansas City Chiefs forever. Um, has kind of bounced around since then, or I don't know if he's still I, – I, I'm not exactly sure where he's at now or if he's even in the league now. I haven't heard his name in about a year or two. Um, but I, I know he I'm went to the sure Raiders. I'm pretty the Chiefs this, like, past year or the year before. Right. So he's a Chief right. pretty much his whole career, and I, th- I think he retired? He was at the Raiders, I thought, or he was like a backup somewhere, and then – I, I'm not exactly sure what happened at the end of his career. However, uh, one of the best uh, one of the best strippers in the entire league. I mean, <laughs> just a, he can just strip and force fumbles uh, like no other. Uh, one of the better underrated middle linebackers in the in NFL history and college history. Um, but definitely his career as a Longhorn and then how well it developed into the pros. Uh, and he, he really did, in all seriousness, was one of the best at stripping the ball and forcing fumbles. Yeah, I mean, you were always known for your stripping in college too, but, you know, we don't want to get into uh, that. <laughs> uh, Ooh, yeah. Problematic if e- JC listens in. E- no one e- e- Yeah. <laughs> Don't no worry. comment. We we do have video evidence. Um, yeah, no comment. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just keep the train going off the rails. Yeah, just God, like what are... happened in Austin. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, just just <laughs> just go, just go. On. Oh, that's fine. Just keep in mind on good or not. I was nice to you. I had a few I wanted to bring out. Uh, yeah. Well, we're doing a shorter one. <laughs> Uh, all right, Patrick Willis is my five. That dude, I mean, pretty self-explanatory. That dude's a beast. And he just has he just has the name of a linebacker. I mean, Patrick Willis. Like, if your name last name's Willis, I just feel like you're born to play linebacker, and I don't know why. But uh, yeah, every time the Cowboys would play play against him, I was terrified that he was just gonna win them the game. He was he was just one of those rare linebackers where when you're when you're playing against him, you're just like, oh fuck, he could win them this game alone. No, yeah, and uh, a, a weird career retired very early on, retired almost in the prime of his career, at the peak of his career. Right. Yeah, and so that is almost kind of a dark horse to put in at my five, but uh, he's just someone I remember. I just remember so well being scared against playing him. Uh, and, you know, some of the other people, you know, my honorable mention was like Ray Lewis and, you know, can't put him in there because he might have killed someone allegedly. Right. And then, yeah. Al- da- allegedly. 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 Alleg- could have killed OJ Simpson allegedly killed somebody. I'll just. I'll just yeah, yeah. Lawrence Taylor allegedly raped people. Whatever. All right, yeah, we are really derailing the show. We're going to get the <laughs> okay. Me Too movement on us. Yeah, number four for me uh, is the monster of the midway right now, Khalil Mack. He is the monster of that Chicago defense. And, um, I mean, whenever he was coming out of Buffalo, uh, Jacob can actually quote me on this, is that I predicted that he would be the best player in that draft coming out uh, from Buffalo. I loved him coming out of college. I had thought he was by far should have been the number one pick of the, of, uh, the draft that year. Uh, fell to like number four, I think, to Oakland it was. And then uh, now Oakland somehow, I don't know why, sent him to Chicago, and now they really need a pass rusher is what I hear. I don't know if that's true or not, but they need some kind of guy who can rush the passer. Um, But, yeah, Khalil Mack would be my number four. Yeah, you got to love John Gruden getting the GM fired saying he doesn't have enough talent. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, what the? Oh, yeah. Are you? F- and then you add in the Amari Cooper thing, and that's just it. Just goes even oh. further off the rails, just like this yeah, show. Yeah, what a cluster. Um, Derek Johnson was my four. I mean, same thing. He's like the first one of the first UT players I really remember watching. Uh, him yeah. and like Roy Williams. I mean, those were guys that I just remember when I was little, thinking, "Wow, these guys are amazing." And as you said, I mean, he was so good at doing that where he would tackle you and he would basically swing behind you. He would treat you like a pole and swing around. Yeah, he really would. And then he was strip the best you. stripper. Yeah, he was the best stripper in the NFL and in college. Do you see what I did there with the pole? Yeah, no, I, I get it. I'm not dumb. All right, Jake, yeah. and you and I, we both have the uh, the same number three, and it is his rookie season in the NFL. And as Cowboy fans, I'm pretty sure everybody knows where we're going with this, but the Wolf Hunter, Leighton Vander Esch. Oh! Had, had had to do it. Incredible story. Everyone knows the story. No big deal. But you and I, Jake, I thought this would be a good time to kind of bring up uh, the Players' Tribune article. If you haven't read it and you're not a Cowboy fan, who gives a shit? Go read it. It's a it's a great read. It really is. Uh, written by Vander Esch. And he pretty much says that there was no plan B of him going into the NFL. It was just a, it was his plan all along. People had told him, well, you come from a small school. You're kind of a tall white guy who's not that athletic. Probably not going to make it in the NFL. You had to walk on. You only played one full year in college. It's probably not going to happen. Look where he is. He basically said he had never really even took into consideration that he wasn't going to be at this level of play at some point in his career. And I mean, that that that's exactly the type of dude you want on your team. And if the Cowboys redrafted today and they were picking number one, I'm pretty sure I still take Vander Esch over Derwin James, over anyone else. Just because if he is not on this team, this team is already out of the playoff hunt. Yeah, I, I think so. And then I think the only player I would consider drafting over Vander Esch this season was Quentin Nelson. Because I had him number one overall in my entire draft uh, over Saquon. Saquon was number two. Uh, and then I think I would put Vander Esch at... For the Dallas Cowboys, I think right behind Quentin Nelson, I would have Leighton Vander Esch. Yeah, and just for the purposes of this team, I still, I, I still think I would take Vander Esch over. I think Nelson. he plays. I, I think I know. I think you're right. I think he plays a bigger role vitally to this Cowboy team than Quentin Nelson would have. I would agree. Yeah, and I mean, Qu- Quentin Nelson would have been great, but you know, you have enough strengths at the offensive line, even though they've had their issues at times this year. Overall, they're a strong enough group to win games. But the linebacking core without Van Der Esch and with Sean Lee getting hurt, there's no way. There's no way that they are even close to where they are at now because he made. I mean, he made the game-winning play in Philly. Uh, he played fantastic that entire game. He played great against the Saints. I mean, he's just been pivotal in this winning streak. And even in the losses, he has just been absolutely brilliant. No, you're exactly right, and I'm going to move on to my number two. The player he gets compared to the most uh, is Brian Urlacher. I grew up loving Brian Urlacher. I was actually a big Bears fan when they went to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman and they played the Indianapolis Colts. Devin Hester returned it all the way back. I love that team mostly because 
of Brian Urlacher. I, I there was something about his play. I he was so instinctive and smart in coverage, and I just I think that's why I like Leighton Vanderesh as much as I do is because he does play so much like Urlacher. And he's a Dallas Cowboy, so it makes it that much better. But, uh, yeah, I, Erlacher is my number two, was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. He has hair now, which is weird. I like bald Erlacher a lot better. So, uh, hair, hairless Erlacher is number two on my list. Uh, Erlacher with hair, not even on my list. I like it. Uh, yeah. All right, so my two is uh, Sean Lee. I mean, his, his career, as great as it's been, it's also been a, a little bit of a tragedy because he just – has never been able to stay consistently healthy in a season. I think he's only had one season where he was healthy, like every game, but like one game. Uh, and so that that's really been, you know, the biggest downside of his career. But despite that, I mean, he prepares uh, Leighton Vanderish in that article talks about how Sean Lee prepares for a game and all the coaches talk about it. All the players talk about it. This dude is the leader of the team. He's a fantastic coach. Even when he's hurt, there's no questioning that he hasn't helped Vanderish. And I think even when uh, Sean Lee decides to retire, which could be soon because he just, he just can't stay healthy. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys should hire him as a coach because I think he helps out these these young linebackers when they're preparing through the week that much. Um, and then when he's on the field, he's just he's an absolute monster. He's up there with the best linebackers in the game whenever he's able to actually play on the field. Uh, I just think he signifies what you want in a football player, and uh, he, he's just one of those guys that – uh, even though he's had his injury issues, I'm always glad that he's on the Cowboys because when he plays, I know he's going to play amazing. And even when he's not playing, I know he's going to coach up the defense and not just sit there and kind of pout around because he's hurt. No, yeah, and that is why he is my number one, Jake. Sean Lee is my uh, number one linebacker of all time, favorite linebacker of all time. And uh, just because as a Dallas Cowboy, we haven't had a lot of great linebackers. We've had good edge rushers, um, but in terms of just pure linebacker, of coverage and everything, and just being the quarterback of the defense, we don't have a great history except for in the 70s uh, with like Chuck Howley and stuff like that, Ken Norton. Um, But, yeah, definitely. Sean Lee is the best linebacker the Dallas Cowboys have ever had in my lifetime. So uh, I've got him at number one. He's my favorite um, for every reason that you said. Yeah, and then my number one is Brian Urlacher, and it's for basically everything you said. I mean, that's just – I would play with the Bears on Madden just Aww, so I could control. Aren't we cute? Yeah, we are, we are fucking adorable. Uh, I would literally play with the Bears and Madden just so I could – play as Brian Urlacher I mean he was just he was just that type of dude um he's what I hope Vander Esch will become and what I think Vander Esch will become we've we've talked about that on other episodes how that's the best comparison uh and you mentioned it as well today and uh yeah I mean Brian Urlacher to me is just arguably the the greatest most technically sound middle linebacker to ever play the game yeah and we of course we know we left off a lot of people uh, a lot of favorites but ray lewis jake was never really one of my favorites i never he was if anything i would have chosen terrell suggs over ray lewis as a favorite linebacker uh just because terrell suggs is so he's so funny and hideously ugly he's got that shrek ogre face and then whenever he came out in the gladiator mask he won me over one of my all-time fa- one of the most alpha moves you can ever do um but i know we know there are plenty there are tons of linebackers out there that we missed um and that's just 
some honorable mentions. Luke Keekley's out there that we didn't mention. Uh, Jake, I know you've got a couple uh, honorable mentions as well. Yeah, I, I said Ray Lewis, but I just couldn't put on there because I never liked Ray Lewis. So he just was. That's what I, I said. Just, he was just never. I just he annoyed me, if dick. anything. Like, he just always yeah. seemed like a dick to me. I don't yeah, know. He, well, he seems so self-righteous with the whole God praise oh, the Lord yeah, thing. I don't buy, yeah, when you fucking... I, I, just, I just don't buy that. I, I don't know. someone's throat, I don't buy it. Um, yeah, I just don't... He lost all credibility. He yeah. really did. He yeah, really did. No. And, and then kind of a dark horse honorable mention for me was Dak Gwynn. I, oh, my God. He, he wasn't even a fantastic player, but his name was Dak He really Gwynn. wasn't. And he was Dat a Gwynn. decent player. He was a good He was player. Asian... Yeah, he was an Asian linebacker. You don't see that every day. Uh, you also, um, for me, if we're going white linebackers, I know you know that wasn't really what we were talking about, but the majority of our list are white linebackers. You got to throw in Zach Thomas, uh, the old Miami Dolphins, and then he spent like a year with the, with the Cowboys, and then uh, Keith Brooking. Uh, Keith Brooking was was one of those guys who was very undersized, but was awesome. He was kind of a lot like a Sean Lee uh, back in the day for the Atlanta Falcons, and also played for the Cowboys. Yeah, he so was pretty there's good a with ton. the Cowboys for like a year or two. Yeah, yeah. Brady James and and Keith Brooking actually had like the best linebacking core in the NFL because technically at that time Demarcus Ware was considered an outside linebacker, quote unquote. But whatever. Anyway, Jake, that is, I mean, there's so many linebackers out there. We could go on and on. But let's not go on and on, and let's move on to good or not. Jake, I'm going to let you start. All right, my first good or not is basketball jersey numbers between like 60 to like 90, those weird numbers. <laughs> you motherfucker. What? No, it, not, not. I hate the numbers. See, that's Even interesting. 77. That's interesting. Even number 77. That's interesting to me that you don't like that because I thought you would like Luka Doncic as a Mavs fan. But, hey, you know, I guess, you know, there's some people who still hate on, like, every like Tony Romo or, or hey, Cowboys. I mean, we've hey. said it. We have said it many times, you and I, Jake, that if Luka Doncic ever wants to be an all-time great player, he has got to change the number. All right, so Tanner, not a Luka Doncic fan. We have learned. I that. love Luka Doncic. He's my king. Right. He is King Luka. Sheesh, like a fine vino. Let's, if we go on a LeBron James thing, this episode's never oh, going to end. Well, it, it's coming up. Oh, Trust me, yeah. it, it is. Yeah. All right, Jake, good or not, I'm going to start you off with an easy one. Kirk Cousins. Um, I'm going to go with no. Yeah! I'm going to go with not. I I bought kind of on Kirk Cousins originally because he looks so good at times, but now I just realize what it is. He just beats the shit out of bad teams, but he can't beat good teams. And this is going to nope. backfire when they beat the fucking Cowboys in the playoffs. <laughs> and I'm going to hate myself. So just I'm on record saying I know that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to say not because he hasn't – I mean – that team is so stacked. He should Dude, be able. They're they sh- so stacked. The I talent on that team. I don't understand how he is has not had a better year. And I don't know what it is. They fired their offensive coordinator. We'll see if that helps. But for them not to score points with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs is absolutely ridiculous. And a lot Kevin of Kevin Rudolph, Dalvin Cook. I mean, the list goes on goes and on. Goes on the quarterback. Definitely goes yeah. on the quarterback. So I'm going to go Easily. with no. All right. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. My next good or not. So um, this one is, uh, you know, we're getting close to Christmas time. 
So the diehard Christmas movie debate. Is that good or not? Oh, oh, oh wait. Is the debate good or hey, t- is just the take, movie just good? Just take it. Just take it how you want it. I, I, I don't. Take I don't it, need. Take, yeah, I, we we know how you like to take it. <laughs> you just want me to take it? Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go good. I think it's an interesting topic. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if it is a Christmas movie or not. I don't necessarily consider it a Christmas movie. However, I, I can. Not. I like the debate. I think the debate's cool. I'm always up for a debate. I'm all for it. It's a good movie. I like Die Hard. Bruce Willis is a badass, so I'm not ever going to say... I mean, I'm going to say good. I'm going to say good. You, you answered about the only way that got you out of me sending you down a wormhole, which is a little disappointing. You you did not answer that how I planned. I'm I'm definitely disappointed in that one. Well, what, how'd you want me to answer it, motherfucker? I, some other way where I could trap you in a hole of thinking Die Hard wasn't good, or because I fall on the side of it's not a Christmas movie just because Christmas is in the background doesn't mean a dude killing everybody is a fucking Christmas it, movie, right? But right, right. yeah, it, it it backfired. It's okay. I'll get you back. Yeah. Okay, motherfucker. I still beat you on that one. All right. My number two. Patrick Mahomes eating habits. Oh, what the fuck? I mean, they're 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 bad. I mean, it's not good. You don't want to eat that much fucking ketchup. You realize how much sugars and ketchup? Like, I mean, his eating habits are not good. He's a fantastic player, and it doesn't matter when you just have talent out your ass. I, I the 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 good or not topic is Patrick Mahomes. Eating habits. Yeah, I like how you put the little space between it. Like Patrick Mahomes, eating habits. Let's make sure that's all one word. But eating no, habits. his his eating, eating habits are fucking disgusting. <laughs> he goes to a nice steakhouse and he puts ketchup on it. Like, no, that's a crime. That is a actual crime. It's, it's a crime. And the fact that he's from Texas blows my mind, and that he does that to a steak. It hurts that's my feelings. What, that, he should, yeah. I, we're revoking his Texas card. Oh, Texas card revoked. T card revoked. Yeah, no, it's gone. You you put right. ketchup on steak? No, that's a that's a fucking you're Kansas gone. thing. Y- yeah, yeah, you're gone. All right, my last good or not is history. So like World War Two, you know, all these different eras. Is history good fu- or not? What the fuck? <laughs> I promise I was not high when I thought of this. Yes, history's okay. Yes, history is good. Okay, so you I, like Adolf Hitler? Yes, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer of Hitler. the butterfly effect. I don't fuck with the history. I don't fuck with the butterfly effect. I don't. Have, I don't fuck with changing one thing and then it having a total clusterfuck of a reaction later on in the future by just you know killing a butterfly and then all hell breaks loose. Or apparently no, a bunch I, of Jews I don't in the fuck case with changing history in this. Do what? I said, uh, or apparently a bunch of Jews in this case, apparently, because you are... So we have confirmed hey. a couple things about Tanner in this episode. He doesn't like Luka Doncic, and he likes Adolf Hitler. That's a that's an interesting combo. Well, my boy Dirk is from Germany, okay? So I, I got to stick with that. I got to stick with the ancestry there. Oh, my God. No. Jesus, Tanner. <laughs> God. Yeah, and no, Dirk does we are not like a, the, the we, master race, too. I mean, yeah, we are. Yeah, he does. Well, we are not a pro Nazi podcast here. I'm just letting everybody know it was a joke. We are not pro Nazi. Tanner is just pro. We are. Yeah, I'm pro history. All right, Jake. uh, 
You know, you went with the Christmas carol or the Christmas theme. I'm going to stick with it, Jake. I'm going with my number three, and we don't plan this at all. This is just a little weird. Christmas carols that are being played over three weeks. Wait, wait, wait. What? Like, what? like listening to Christmas carols for longer than three weeks. I mean, what's the time for? That's a very un. That's a that is a very <laughs> shitty question. Over three. I mean, if. I'm gonna like from December first to December twenty first. Are you tired of Christmas carols by then or not? It's not that hard to understand. See, well, I'm pulling out my calendar on this before I get dicked over. All right, let's see. Starts on the first, so two, one, and at two. It's great. This great radio three. No, <laughs> yeah, because see, if you do three weeks, if you start <laughs> December first, to me, December first is when you can start listening to Christmas music. And so, if you only do three weeks, you are at December twenty second. <laughs> and according to my calculations it's not christmas yet so nice fucking try you're trying to get me to bite on the bait there and think that oh that means you started listening in thanksgiving no 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 i got technology bitch and i got a calendar no it's good you can we're listen. not cavemen spongebob <laughs> we have technology you no it's good you because to me, December first, start listening to Christmas music. I think right after Thanksgiving's a little too. I think once you hit December, you should be Christmas mode. Uh, so December first to December, you know, t- to Christmas. But then I think the day after Christmas it, it stops. So it's more like okay. I was going to ask weeks. you. I was going to ask you when do you stop listening the day, to Christmas the music? Day and after w- Christmas. When do you stop watching like Christmas movies? The day after Christmas. Okay, I'll watch right. Christmas I'm kinda movies with on you. the night of Christmas. But once it's the day after Christmas, it's like, okay, we can wait till next yeah. year. I've had three and a half weeks. <laughs> no, you're right. Like I've had like three and a half weeks of the same shit over and over and over again. I'm I'm a I've just about tired of it. Well, we both owned each other on our Christmas era questions. Yeah, yeah, we kinda did. All right, well Jake, good let's effort, go ahead and move on. Wait, that wait will to do it for good or not. Garrett. Do what? Way to compete. I was telling you, way, way to compete. I was, I, I was Jason Garretting you. Just, just keep it going. Just keep, <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I, I got to remember, you're too slow to, to catch on to, uh, to, to intelligent quotations. All right, Jake. Well, let's go to uh, the Thursday night game that we, you know, we launch our episodes on Thursday. So we're gonna go with the most. Uh, we're gonna go in chronological order of things of how things happen throughout the week. We're going to start off with the Derrick Henry Beast Mode show. I mean, just went the fuck off on the Jaguars defense. Jake, my question to you is, number one, why the fuck hasn't Derrick Henry been given the ball more times this throughout this season than just that game? And then what the fuck is up with Jacksonville's team, not just defense, but entire team? And where the hell did that performance come from, from Derrick Henry? Um, the Titans are one big cluster. Uh, they just have talent and that's why they've been able to win games because when their talent actually shows up, they do pretty well because Mariota is super inconsistent and they're just an inconsistent team. I feel like their play calls are inconsistent. They don't really have a true identity. They're like stuck between trying to be a spread or a power team. And really, I think they should be spread because that's when Mariota plays the best. Uh, they just, to me, they're a team that completely lacks identity, and I think that starts I'm with, with the coaching I'm with staff. Um, so I think yeah. that's a problem. And then the Jaguars, I mean, we really should have saw this coming, uh, the Jaguars going back to what they've been our entire lifetimes rather than actually being good 
for a couple yeah. years in a row. Um, they're just a cluster. The Jalen Ramsey trash talk has completely backfired. And then, you know, after their uh, – it might have been the Titan game. It might have been a couple weeks ago. He's like, you can't put that loss on me. And it's like, why are you going out and saying that? You've already called because all these that, quarterbacks trash. Because, and then because that's how he feels. He feels as though the, the all the losses are on him. So he has to go out publicly saying, well, it's not my fault. I mean, you can't put that on me. It's a team effort. Even though I'm the one that caused all the attention, this unwanted and unneeded attention, onto our quote-unquote great defense that we've now allowed about 30 points a game on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm glad the Cowboys didn't draft him because there was, you know, it was either him or Zeke, and uh, I'm very glad we took Zeke. I'll, I'll just yeah. put it that way because Jalen Ramsey on the Cowboys would be a fucking disaster. No, it, it would not be good with the media in Dallas and all that. No, no would he would good. say even more ridiculous shit. Yeah, and so uh, moving right along, Jake, let's go ahead and go talking a little bit of basketball here throughout the regular week. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with, is Kevin Durant a listener of the Fanboys? Apparently he is, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go on to uh, the Fanboys Twitter, and uh, we found it very interesting, and shout out to Kurt Caden for DMing me the link to this and saying, does Kevin Durant listen to the Fanboys? Uh, he's, apparently he's looking for some Fanboys, or it, it was something like that. I don't have the article up. No, yeah. Does the, the article, I think, states... Does he invite like fanboy? Like, does he want fanboys? Does he like the attention of the fanboys, which would be you and I? Right. And so I, I think uh, we need to get everyone who listens. It says, "Does Kevin Durant secretly want fanboys?" So yes. And the question is, or the answer to that question, despite the fact that we have, uh, you know, made made fun of him a time or two, but. Uh, yes, you can come on the show, Kevin. Just you know, come on on. Yes. Um. You know. Anyone who listens, tweet at Kevin Durant and tell him he needs to come on the podcast. We will we will happily have him come on the podcast. We want every single listener to literally tag Kevin Durant in a post saying, hey, it is okay for you to be on the fan. The fanboys want you on the show at Kevin Durant. And if at you tweet at him, boys. he will either see it or one of his burners will see it. So we're good. Yeah, he oh, he will see it regardless if it's one of his burners or not. But... Tell him that it is okay to be on the show. We want him on the show. We we accept him being on our show. We will accept that. Yes, we we will allow it. And if he's good, we, maybe we will allow it to happen. Again. Yeah, if he's if, you know if he gives us some good fanboy content, he can come on again and be a reoccurring guest. And Jake, speaking of NBA and uh, how this fucking fiasco of a season has already been for LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. He played his ex for the final time, Dwayne Wade, in a regular season game. Yeah, I mean, what a touching moment. I'm surprised they didn't just have sex on the court right there. I mean, it, oh, oh, LeBron, can, LeBron, can you can you grab my rebound just one more time? Give me another hockey assist, please. I just want another oh, another hockey you're assist. You're one rebound away from a triple double. Let me miss this shot for you. Get it, LeBron. Oh yeah, grab my balls. Oh, grab him, LeBron. Oh, yeah, Dwayne. You like how I blocked those balls? <laughs> you like how I threw those balls at Kelly Olynyk's balls? You like that, Dwayne? Does that make you a little <laughs> jealous, Dwayne? Oh, the amount of vino that was dr- that, that that was consumed after that game and then just complete gay butt sex that happened between the two. <laughs> just <laughs> unbelievable. 
And yes, yeah. uh, well, I did say that, and it is 2018. I understand. Dude, I guarantee you, you know how they th- they do the water thing and Kevin Durant can't drink beer or whatever? You know how they like they always showed Kevin Durant like chugging a beer after they win a finals at, for Golden State, you know what I mean? And like he has to like spit it out because he's a baby back bitch and can't drink beer. I guarantee you that's what LeBron and Dwayne Wade did on their own like little private locker room. They had plastic all over the place like a fucking Dexter room, and they were just <laughs> spraying red vino all over the place and just having crazy wild vino, butt sex. That's not good. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, it, yeah, it's so, I mean, the blood doesn't show from Dwayne Wade fucking LeBron in the oh. ass. All right, let's go. Let, let's let ne, ne, next subject, Tanner, before we. All right, next get subject. Because off na, every now. On. Well, because now I'm starting to just get angry talking about it, and I don't want to get. I don't want to get angry. I just don't like LeBron. I do love Dwayne Wade. I just hate LeBron. All right, so anyway, let's move on, Jake, to some Sunday games. And. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to the Miami Miracle. Oh my God, what a game. You never fucking see that. That never fucking works. A little hook and lateral bullshit thing that they did. It never works. And I'm so glad the one time it did pay off and it did work was on the New England Patriots with Rob Gronkowski playing safety. What were they thinking putting Gronk out there, by the way? Did they think Tannehill was going to throw it 85 yards in the air? He doesn't have the arm for that. No, and he's hurt. Like always, <laughs> like I, I, I truly don't and understand I don't what the Patriots were thinking, putting him on the, the field. The, that yeah, well, the the fact that people are blaming Gronk for like slipping and and, play, and he's he well, he's a fucking tight end. He shouldn't be out there anyway. The fact that he's out there, and I've seen yes, like Randy Moss and players out there playing safety on those hail marys type situations, but not a fucking tight end, not a broken tight end who doesn't have a fucking elbow anymore. And when they do that, the tip, typically the ball is at like midfield or somewhere where they can get it in the end zone. There was no chance of Tannehill getting that ball even close to the end zone on a throw. And so you're yeah. going to have Gronk out there, the tackle? Well, we saw where that gets you. That that was the <laughs> dumbest for a team that's known for having such great coaching. That was the dumbest coaching move I've seen this year, period. I, that was stupid, and they deserved for that to happen. They they deserve to lose in that fashion. And now Tom Brady, I think the last it is six games. He's lost five of his last six games in Miami. Some kind of outrageous, bizarre stat like that. Yeah, I I hate that division so much. Because Miami division. takes like one game off them each year, and that's the only game they lose in the division. Yeah. Because their division yeah. is just a joke. They go they go five and one in the division the every Brady year. Era, and it's usually Miami. Over the Brady era, just overall record. The Patriots are the only team in that division with a over 500 record. Such bullshit. That is such bullshit. Even if the Patriots are bad, they're going to make the playoffs. Like even if they're a bad team for a year, they they get five to six free wins a year out of that. It was funny. I'm not saying the Patriots haven't been great. I'm not taking away from their greatness, but that has certainly assisted them in never missing the playoffs. No, I, no, I completely agree, 100% agree. And the thing is that's really funny, though, is the one year that they got ripped off from the playoffs. They were like, what, like 11-5 and five and didn't make the fucking playoffs that one year when oh, Miami went like 13-3 yeah, and three to win the, the division? It, that was the year where like Miami went from 2-14 and 14 the year before or something like that. Yeah. And then, no, they were like 1-15, oh, I think. that's what it was. And then they yeah. went like 13-3. Then the Wildcat, the, Wildcat, the Wildcat came out, yeah. But that was a complete outlier. 
No, yeah, and it was they were like eleven and five with and Tom Brady had gotten hurt that year, week one towards ACL, and it was the Matt Castle show, and he still led them to like ten or eleven, 11 wins, but 11 they didn't make five. the playoffs. Yeah, eleven and five, and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I'd be fucking pissed if that ever happened to me. But that is kind of funny that that would be the one franchise that they don't make the playoffs that one year, and it was they go eleven and five. Anyway, Jake, let's move it right along. Greg Williams. The interim head coach for the Cleveland Browns, crazy stat of the year, maybe of the fucking century for all I know, has the same amount of wins in the time he's been interim head coach than Hugh Jackson did his previous three years combined. <laughs> Come fucking bind. It's official now with their win over Carolina. He has the exact same number of wins than Hugh Jackson did his entire tenure in Cleveland. And just look at bait. Like, look at... Don't only look at that stat. Look at like Baker Mayfield's stats uh, before and after Hugh Jackson left. Look at uh, the the de- the defensive stats. You know how they're playing as an offense other than Mayfield. Everything has just literally like doubled. Essentially, is what it feels like. I mean they've they've been playing like a playoff team since Hugh Jackson yeah. left. That is, it is crazy. Five wins. It, it's a perfect example of what coaching does. And the reason why I thought the Browns would be better, I thought their talent could get them over Hugh Jackson to win, you know, eight games, which they still have a chance to do. But uh, if Hugh Jackson was still the coach, they probably would have not have won any games since. I mean... they they I would give them one more game. They'd be a two-win team If you hire... If any team hires Hugh Jackson in any form, and the Cowboys probably will, because I'm saying this... And it, <laughs> Just I, because you're saying it? Yeah, but they are the dumbest franchise ever. I know they and and, and I, I'm completely with it's you illustrated how he's right on a now. staff right now. Yeah, well, yep. yeah, that, that oh shocker, him and Marvin Lewis, fucking clones of each other on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I'm a Bengals fan, dude, I I don't know how I'm I I don't know how the Bengals fans have not committed suicide. They need to suicide. go listen to the uh, the one eight hundred song by uh, Logic. Yeah, no kidding. The suicide <laughs> prevention hotline. So anyway, Jake, let's move on to the Sunday night game, Rams. Bears, a shocker to many. I said, as long as Mi- if Mitchell Trubisky plays, then the Bears have a good chance to beat the Rams. They have a good chance, and it happened. And I do think, and I think you're going to get into this. I think it was a little bit of a fluke. I think if they played again, I think the Rams would win. Um, but it was just a bizarre. Both quarterbacks played like shit. Uh, both offenses didn't really play well at all. It was more so a defensive battle, but I don't even know if it was great defense as much as it was just bad offense on both sides. Yeah, I think the weather. I I think this game just shows why home field advantage is going to be very important for the Rams because they do not. I mean, Jared Goff has he's played his entire career in California, even in high school. I'm pretty sure. Yep. So he no, yeah, is. Yeah. He is, uh, I mean, he just did not look like the same guy, and that's kind of what happens when you're not used to cool. And I know some some people go, it's just an excuse. No, when you go from playing in like 70-degree weather with no wind and you go into the below-freezing temperatures with wind, that that changes the game completely. And it was kind of like foggy slash misty out, and... Yeah, they. I once I saw the weather, I was like, "Oh, I bet, I bet the Rams have their worst offensive game of the year." I didn't think it would be that bad, but uh, I do think the Bear. I do. 
I do agree with you. It, it might have been a little fluky, but I don't think it's too... It, I think if that game is in Soldier Field, I think the Bears win that a good majority of the time. I think if it's in LA, then the Rams have a better chance. But I do think the Bears showed that if you can stop Gurley, you have a decent chance of slowing down and stopping their offense. And another thing is, Jake, playoff weather this year in the NFC is not going to play a factor at all unless, I mean, the only game it's going to affect is the Chicago Bears and whoever it is that they play, Uh, whether that be the Vikings or the Panthers or the Eagles, even though we've done changed the majority of those teams, uh, it looks to be the Vikings still. Unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know how their season's going to play out, but uh, it looks to be the only game that's actually going to be affected by weather whatsoever in the entire NFC playoff situation is going to be whoever the Bears play in the first round. Because there are other teams. You got L.A. You've got a dome team in New Orleans. You've got a dome team in Dallas, and Chicago's the only. Those are the only home teams you can have throughout the whole playoffs. And you know, even if Minnesota does sneak in, they're going to be the six, and it's not going to matter anyway. But they're a dome team. Um, but yeah, it's just it, that playoff like atmosphere of like cold weather, snow, and just like having to run the run the ball and play tough defense it's going to be overrated it's going to be an overrated expression this year uh coming at this point into the season just because of the environment of the playoff locations this year yeah it it's it's going to be interesting because the nfc interests me so much as far as the top four or really top top five seeds go because you have Seattle pretty much locked. I really think five. Se- yeah yeah but the only yeah, thing I mean, is Seattle, really is all a, locked in. Seattle is a different team at a at home than they are on the road that 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 is for sure so I it'll be interesting to see how they do in the playoffs but and, you have and they the, play in a week they they play in a week division yeah they have San Fran and Arizona to uh that's four four of their games that they have to play this year is and those are wins yeah and so it It'll be interesting because you have polar opposites on the one and two and two compared to the three and four. One and two are the you know kind of the new era offenses that have just been tearing it up all year, and then you have three and four with the Bears and the Cowboys, uh, who aren't bad offensively, but they're definitely not like the Rams and the Saints. But defensively, they're a different animal than the Rams or the Saints. And what's even more interesting about it is the Cowboys beat the Saints and the Bears beat the Rams. And so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, right. It's going to be very yeah. interesting to watch the NFC playoffs play out because of all those kind of almost contradictions with within the seeding. There's just a lot of different style teams in the NFC picture, and I think it's very intriguing, like you said. Jake, moving right along to the Monday night game, Vikings-Seahawks. What a fucking shit show that was. Ugh. I mean, good God, it was awful. The coolest thing and best thing about the whole damn game was the Seahawks color rush jerseys. I don't know about you. I feel like you like them because you like the vibrant, you you like that standout type of color type thing uh, with really anything in life. Uh, so I, I actually do like those jerseys. I like the, the uniform combo is the bright neon green. I think those are cool. I think that's what color rush is all about. Like the teams that have like the all white or the all black or whatever, those are fucking lame. Get some cool colors. You know, do some bright colors. That's what the color rush is for. Um, but yeah, color rush was in full effect for the Seahawks. Uh, Cousins, Jake, this is a fun f- fun fact for you. Kirk Cousins is 0-7 in his Monday night career. Monday night uh, games, he is 0 and 7. You like that? You like that? <laughs> that Kirk Cousins is the most 
curious man on the planet as far as a quarterback goes because he really is he really is talented I mean he has talent you see the talent at times but for whatever reason when he plays against a team that's above 500 or he plays in prime time the dude just looks like he's fucking lost and can you imagine having him on 80 million dollar guaranteed contract I mean the Vikings are screwed you can't get rid of him it's guaranteed You're you're, a, you're in a you're in a John Gruden type situation with with Kirk Cousins. You are you're Case stuck. Keenum two is all he is yeah. right now. Now you are stuck with what you have at quarterback and unless you just this have new coordinator sh- changes it. I mean, but well, and I, I do think getting into the coordinators, Jake Vikings did fire uh, DeFilippo. I do think with DeFilippo and Mike Zimmer butting heads, not getting along, there being a lot of tension from begin from the very beginning of the season. I don't know. I think one of them had to go. They obviously made their choice of who who left. I mean, that's obvious. Um, but I, I, I'm just I, and I like this Vikings team. I like the players on it. I, I, but you know, Zimmer he wants to be a power run team. DeFilippo wants to be the West Coast, pass it out, spread it out, attack type team. Quick passes, you know, to to your playmakers, get them out in space type guy. And Mike Zimmer's the complete opposite. He's old school. They just butted heads. They didn't agree on anything. And I think that did hurt the offense. I, I think that hurt Kirk Cousins, and he didn't really know how to play. He couldn't really get into a rhythm with any type of style of offense. And here's a hot take for you. The Vikings fired the wrong person. Ooh, Hey. I look at that team. Tell me about it. Look at that team. Tell me about look it. Look at look at their what you just said with their off how they contradicted themselves on their what they wanted to do, what they wanted their style yes. to be offensively. Which style would you rather have with that team? A power run game with Dalvin Cook, who's not a, a power type running back, or a West Coast style where you're getting your running back in the run game still, but you're getting them out in space and you're getting them out in the passing game, and then you're getting the ball to Adam Thielen and, and Stefan Diggs really quick. Uh, I think they fired the wrong person. I think Z- Mike Zimmer should have been gone. I think he, that team, that roster, cannot succeed with that type of offense. They should be running more of the new type of offense, and I think that would help Kirk Cousins a lot too. And in his defense, I do think that would help him a lot. And uh, I, I think the Vikings fired the wrong man. I, I don't think they're going to be able to – to succeed very well uh, with with him as head coach because of the fact that I just feel like they're running the wrong offensive scheme. With with the players that they have, I think you're right, Jake. Um, and another thing is, did you see the graphic that they put on Monday Night Football with the three offensive coordinators that Mike Zimmer has had in his tenure there? Nobody has lasted longer than two years with Mike Zimmer as the head coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. He doesn't like offense. He doesn't like kickers. He's just a defensive guy. You have a legitimate, I'm, I'm t- a literal defensive coordinator running your team he doesn't give a shit about any other side of the ball except for defense and I think that is what's hurting them right now the most is like you said they have all the players and the weapons and their offensive line Jake sucks their offensive line is terrible if you have a west coast type team where it's just quick screens and just quick passes where you don't even have to block but for two seconds that benefits your offensive line and makes them better as well yep exactly I that's why I think uh I mean, Dave Filippo did such a good job with the with the Eagles, obviously, and Carson Wentz, and a lot of that was getting the ball out quick, and now he's gone, and the Eagles have struggled. I I, I really think uh, the Vikings should have and the timing promoted him and fired the, the, their head coach. The timing of it, Jake. What 
why this late into the season when they're in I the mean, play? What, I, it just baffles me. If it, I were the was, Vikings, that's the strangest thing. The strange. No matter how ugly the performance was on Monday night, this point in the season, when you're a six, you're still in the playoffs. You're a six seed right now. It's bizarre. Bizarre to me. I would have brought in. I would have brought in both coaches and said. Worry about the defense, and then DeFilippo, you are the head coach of the offense, per se. Just almost split up the duties and say, don't fuck with each other. Because yeah, it, stay away it's, from a each bad, other. it's a bad, bad, bad look when you fire a coach like that this late into the season. Uh, especially when you're a possible, I mean, very likely a playoff team. I, with the way Carolina and the Eagles are playing, yes, very much so. Yeah, then with Carson Wentz being out now, yeah, it's just... It it baffles me. I mean, the Vikings. We I think we both had them in our Super Bowl. I had them against the Chargers, yeah. and I had them jagging off. Oh, ooh, that one didn't yeah. age well. Uh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of those have aged very well. I at least no, got one no. with some hope. Yeah, you've got you've got some hope with the Chargers. They're actually the second best team in the AFC. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, no. and speaking of, yes, speaking yeah, of, we'll that's go, a great yeah. seg. segue. Don't don't fuck up the segue. Chiefs. Chargers Thursday night tomorrow night it's going to be a great game I I truly believe this is going to be an all-time classic game and it is the first time in NFL history that two 10-win teams play on Thursday night and so it should be a great game it should be a prime time excellent ball game I, I can't see this being an ugly gross no team deserves to win type game yeah I the only way it could be ugly is if the weather in Kansas City is really bad but, yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to show up. I think Phil Rivers is going to show up. I think uh, the Chargers are going to come in and want to take the division away. And that's that's the crazy thing. You have to be so upset if you're a Chargers or a Chiefs fan. That If you're both fan bases, you're like, shit, we have this great of a season and we may not even win the division. Yeah, I mean, this game is, <laughs> yeah, it's not the div- you know, it's not going to necessarily decide. Well, if the Chiefs win, I think the division's wrapped if up. The, if, yeah, if the Chiefs win, it's all but wrapped up. But yeah, I, I, because then they would have swept the Chargers. Yeah. Which is crazy because then the Chargers have to, they don't even get a home game. That's just wild to think. Not that they would get a home game anyways because uh, that move to Los Angeles has been a disaster. Good God. <laughs> but... Yeah, that that's been a complete joke. But yeah, I I'm very excited for this game. I I am like very really looking forward to it. And that, and that's saying yes. something. And, uh, I'd say overall this year Thursday night football's been better and then this is like a huge payoff for them because this game uh sometimes the Chargers let down in a year and this could have ended up just being a shitty game. Like both team Mahomes could have not have been what he was and it could have been one of those bad Thursday night matchups. Instead, this is one of the biggest matchups all season. This could be this is- a AFC Oddly enough, two teams in the same division. This could be an AFC championship preview if the bracket works out that way. No, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. Very rarely, rarely. And uh, it will. Uh, eh. But I do <laughs> like. Uh, I like the matchups. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I. Th- I mean, the Chiefs and the, uh, I'm not going to say Chiefs Rams, but I do think it'll be a similar feel. I think it's going to be like 35-32, and I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers. 35-32. I picked them in the Super Bowl, so I'm going to have them winning. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be tough because the Chiefs are so damn hard to play at home. But I think the Chargers' defense is, uh, they're more, oddly enough, they're more healthy now than when they played the first time. They're definitely playing a lot better football now than, uh, than since that. And so I, I, think the, uh, I think the Chargers win a close one, so, something along the lines of, uh, I'm going to go 31-28. to 28. 
Hey, Jake, would it be two years to the date that we were in Arrowhead on a Thursday night football game? Yeah, uh, I think so, actually. I don't I, I don't know what week it was. I know it was cold as shit in Arrowhead, but you and I were both at the Arrowhead uh, watching the Chiefs take on the Raiders on a Thursday night football game. Yeah, and that, I mean, if you're a football fan and you want to go to an amazing stadium to see a, a game at, go to Arrowhead. Maybe don't go when it's so cold because that sucked. It was below zero degrees, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was cold as fuck, but... Yeah, that that place is incredible. It's loud as crap, and so it's if the Chargers win that game, that is going to be a gigantic statement that they are a legitimate, not only a Super Bowl contender, but the team to beat. No, yeah, I agree, Jake. And let's move on, Jake. The biggest game for our lives for our weekend, Cowboys Eagles, all but wrapped up the division. Um, I mean, put them up two games ahead of, of the second-place team in the division, a 99.67% chance of making the playoffs are the Dallas Cowboys with that victory in extremely exciting fashion, confusing fashion. Uh, two completely different fucking games, Jake, at halftime. Six to fucking zero was the halftime score. I think people forget that. And then the final ended up being whatever the fuck it was. I don't even well, remember the final score. What was the score, the score going score? in the fourth quarter? The sc- score going in the fourth quarter was like... It was like 6-3 to three or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, I'll actually pull it up. But yeah, that game was... It was and then ugly. it ended up being And then it ended up being like 26-21, I think, was the final. 29-23. So, yeah, what the fuck was that? Right, it was, Holy it, crap. It was 9-6 to six Cowboys heading into the fourth quarter. And then the score of the fourth quarter was 17-14 to 14 Philly. And then the Cowboys scored on the opening drive in overtime. Yeah. Dak was single-handedly felt like he was losing the Cowboys the game. Single-handedly. And he ended up setting franchise records in the game. Yes. Yeah. Same with Amari Cooper. <laughs> it just... Dude, I don't fucking... Okay, and I want to get into this too. So yes, the game was great, and everybody knows the game. Everyone has probably already diagnosed the game a little bit. I want to dive into Dak's career, Jake, just a little bit. Just how fucking strange has his career been compared to his numbers? Like, you watch him on the field playing, and you're like, uh, what? And then you look at his career numbers compared to Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger, and he's like literally right there with them, if not ahead of them in some categories. Yeah, through his first, and I, I think it's because with social media growing so much and everything, quarterbacks are judged so much harder in their first few years. And, well, then and the, every mistake and then is magnified. And also him setting the bar so high his rookie year, but really, if you look at his career, you can almost break it out into sections. So if you break it out into basically his first year and like five games or whatever it was he was excellent people forget he was in the mvp talks during his second year until everyone got hurt and then that atlanta game from the atlanta game until the next atlanta game he was a broken (laughs) player he was a broken player and then oddly enough this year the atlanta game since then he has been Pretty consistently very good. He's had his moments of not looking good, but he's typically turned it around, uh, as he did in the Philly game. And I mean, he's a third-year quarterback, and if, if you actually just step back and look at it from you know, an objective point of view and just look at the numbers and look at the facts of it. And I, my favorite argument I saw someone say about, well, his stats are this compared to Tom Brady because it's a passing league. It's like, yeah, but the Cowboys aren't a passing team. The Cowboys don't fucking pass the ball. Did you see that everybody was like 
shitting on Dak Prescott because of his numbers in the first three weeks that he couldn't get over 200 passing yards. Yeah, so the fact his numbers are there is... just it's just as impressive because the Cowboys aren't a new age offense, and so that argument's really fucking dumb. But I mean, Dak is again. We've said it a couple times this year. He's shown you reasons to be concerned. He's showed you reasons to have hope, and then he showed you reasons to just be sold that he's going to be good. He, he's so showing you all three. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a a take at you, and you can either you know. Absorb it, take it in, let it stick to you, or you can bounce it back to me and say that I'm a piece of shit, dumbass motherfucker. But, so, here's what I think. I think he is a Tim Tebow times two. He is a rich man's Tim Tebow. He has all the qualities that you cannot coach. Determination, perseverance, uh, resilience, uh, the, the, the it factor in the fourth quarter of just winning the game, willing your team to victory, and yet he doesn't have all the skills. However, his skills of like passing and running and just being a good quarterback are far better than Tim Tebow. Far better than Tim Tebow. Okay, like, just you, throwing you, the ball you, and, you, you and skill-wise. I was about to, and, and this was just, about to go on for 30 minutes because I was going to be no, like, no, 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 no. But I'm talking like whenever Tim Tebow got drafted in the first round by Denver, they said they liked the things that you can't coach, which is all the mental aspects of the game as a quarterback, which I completely agreed with with Tebow. And Dak Prescott has those exact same qualities, except I think that Dak Prescott, skill-wise, just pure quarterback skill on the field, it far exceeds what Tim Tebow ever was going to be and ever would be and ever was. That yeah, I mean, I'm not I, comparing no, him. I, I can get behind that take then, as long as we're agreeing he's a far better talent as far as yes. throwing the ball. Uh, yes, yeah, no, running, I running I mean, the ball, everything. He's a big body type. He's hard to bring down. He's tough. I People can say what they want about Dak, and you know, if you want to sit there and say he's been really bad at times this year, I'm not going to argue with you. But the dude in clutch moment fucking balls out. The fourth quarter has some of the best fourth quarter stats since he entered the league. I mean, in the entirely. I mean, they're better than Tom Brady and and Drew Brees' numbers in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I he's been I in in clutch moments, I I, I'm more comfortable with him in the fourth quarter with the ball tied than I am at the start of the game. (laughs) Yep. Which is odd, but to me, I, I'm completely with you. And yes, he needs to take care of the ball. A hundred percent needs to take. Yeah, he's a third much year quarterback. Ball security. He needs to improve, just like ninety nine point nine percent of other third year quarterbacks at one point had to improve. Didn't Peyton Manning lead the league in interceptions his first like two or three seasons yeah, as a quarterback? It, it it takes time, and uh, people act like you need to extend Dak now. You still got two years left on his deal. And then you can franchise him if you're still not sure. You have plenty of time. But to think that you should just get rid of him right now and just go to like Cooper Rush and then just pray to God you can trade and draft someone or something is is really fucking stupid. It, it, it's yeah. really stupid. I think that that argument has no merit even being talked well, about. Well, you know that Dak or uh, the Dallas Cowboys have fifty million dollars in cap space this going into next season. So you've got Amari Cooper for sixteen games left. You still don't have to sign him in, during this offseason. I think they like, will I, extend I think, him. It'll be better on the cap next year if yes, they extend him. I, I realize that, but people don't realize necessarily that like if we don't re-sign him over the like the offseason, that he still basically has a full season with us. Yeah, as like, opposed to trading I, I, for Golden Tate, who uh, you gave up a has, pick for, and he's his uh, contract's up in three games, and he has yes. done fucking terrible. Yes, and so um, it, you have that 
and and he's going to get signed this offseason, no doubt about it. But fifty million dollars in cap space to go to Demarcus Lawrence, to go to Amari Cooper. This off, those are your two big concerns this offseason. You wait until Dak is on his final year of his contract. You franchise Ezekiel Elliott, and then then you worry about that later on. And you don't. And I, I like the the fact that the Cowboys. A lot of fans, Cowboy fans, complain about free agency and like. And this is going into offseason stuff, but you know the. We don't ever get big name free agents. Okay, I Good. I have said that I would I would like to get a veteran every now and then, maybe a veteran on this young defense. I said that at the beginning of the year, and honestly, you know who's been that veteran? Sean Lee. Sean Lee has been that veteran that you need that maybe doesn't necessarily have the biggest impact playing, but and you didn't have to overpay for him on, in free agency. Worry about the guys you have in group because this is one of the youngest teams, but also, Jake, they're one of the longest tenured teams playing together. I mean, all these guys were drafted together. They haven't played on another team. There's only like, there's legitimately, Jake, only like three guys on the entire roster, Amari Cooper being one of them, that have even played on another team. Yeah, and one... I want to refer back to kind of when we did that devil's the devil's advocate segment after the trade happened. And I think my almost my biggest defense of that trade was I'll I'll talk a lot of shit on the Cowboys franchise in my lifetime because they've done nothing but disappoint me. But in the last uh, basically eight, nine years since the Tyron Smith draft or however long that's been, it's been like nine years or something, maybe 10. They you cannot talk shit on this front office. Any move this front office makes. I pretty much give them the benefit of the doubt until it doesn't work. And so far, very little does not work. And typically, if something doesn't work, it's a free agent signing because that's just how the NFL works. These free agent signings, you overpay, and they typically don't produce. Look at the Eagles, like the Haloti Nada, the the, um, Golden Tate trading for him. I mean, just these free agent... They don't work out. Look at guys who've left the Cowboys. Like Eric Blunt. Yeah, look Eric Blunt. Uh, look at like uh, the Redskins when they signed Hatcher from the Cowboys for, for a big deal. He never did anything. After. Albert Hainsworth. Yeah, Albert Hainsworth. I, you overpay for these guys. It sets your it sets your team back because the Cowboys have great talent. They, their biggest downfall this year at time is is has been coaching, uh, in my opinion, and and you know other things. Look at they the Giants with Olivier one. Vernon. They needed a number one, but. And then uh, Soldier Soldier for the Giants. He's not been very yeah. good. And they made him like the highest no. paid tackle in the NFL. And he has been he is, terrible. He is the highest paid. Yeah. Well, Jake, I also want to talk a little bit more about the football game. Uh, it, you know, and you're going to give me shit about this because I gave you shit about it last week, which is fine. I'll, I'll take it like a man like Dwayne Wade does with LeBron. Um, but... I mean, honestly, Jake, and this is on a completely serious note. What the fuck was the Zeke Elliott call? I mean, I I know. So the when they made the rule, this is literally the the rule that the moment they waited for. I mean, this was literally the moment they waited for was a runner lowering his head into a defender's helmet, and the the call. To, to be completely honest with you, was actually the right call. My problem with it is that they waited until week 14 to call the motherfucker. I mean, Jesus like Christ. They, season, you can't tell me role. this entire... This is literally the first time that they have called the game the, that call. This is the very first time they've ever called that penalty. Yeah, I... I Yeah, I didn't... I Sorry, you cut out for a second. But yeah, no, I didn't... I didn't... Uh, I didn't understand it just because, like you said, it's been a rule for not only that, it's been a rule for a couple of years. 
And, and this is the first time, the first time that it has ever been called in a regular season game. I have an interesting take for you uh, about what I truly think is the problem. Because I, I think we can both agree, you know, all of the joking from last week's episode side, officiating has been fucking terrible this year. Yes. No matter what it, side. And even the, the Dallas Goddard and then the fumble at the very beginning of the game. I mean, that was Obviously recovered by the Philadelphia Eagles. How the hell they didn't start the game off with a fumble recovery by Jordan Lewis inside our 30-yard line is fucking beyond me because that was a horrible call. And, Horseshit call. And, I mean, and if the, I, pa- the uh, roughing the passer on Gregory when he yeah. sacked him, I mean, that's just – it's a fucking joke. But it's, it's I, I really think it's – it's and this is an interesting take. I haven't heard anyone else say this. I don't think it's the officials' fault. I think it's the NFL's fault. They keep adding more and more and more and more rules. And when you keep adding more shit to someone's job, it gets exponentially harder and harder. And I think it's to the point where the referees are having to pay attention to so much shit. And well, I said that. I, you and I talked about that a couple, like on the, one of the first couple episodes. You and I talked about that. Well, you have a better memory than I do, but yeah, we we talked about but yeah, that. Yeah, I I think that's a I, and maybe that's why you know it came to mind. But I think that is one of the biggest issues. There, there's just too many damn little rules, like and, mm-hmm. and it, it and it makes them, but it makes them miss the big stuff, like a false start. It makes them miss something that's very simple and easy to call. It makes them miss a you know a, a illegal formation. Something that's the most easy thing to call, or a neutral zone infraction, or an offsides, they're not looking for that anymore. They're not looking for false starts or holdings. They miss those all the time, and those are the easiest ones to call because they're looking at these ticky tack bullshit that Roger Goodell's so far up their ass on calling. Yeah, and it, it it's going to be. I think the league is going to have. They're going to have to figure something out to to help because the, there's just some games where there's just no flow to games sometimes now because there's just so many penalties. And it's to the point where whether it's a shitty calling on both sides of the ball, one side of the ball, whatever, it disrupts the flow of games sometimes. And th- we, we've definitely seen it be a problem at the college and the professional level. And I, I think they, they need to do something about simplifying the rules and figuring out what rules are important and, and really stressing those and – Making the officials' job, and you know, we might be the only people who have mentioned this. It just make the officials' life a little bit easier, and they're probably going to do a lot better job because officiating was not this big of a problem back when the rules weren't so damn complicated. Hell, five years ago, the officiating wasn't this big of a deal. The biggest problem I had with the officiating five years ago was whether or not they were holding Demarcus Ware or not. I mean, that was literally like I was like, "What well, the that's hell? Still that's a, problem a hold." To this day with it, all and the it's a, but they're. And it and it's always gonna and that will always be a problem or whatever. And I remember the big probably the biggest problem with my childhood whenever this horrible horrible rule was the force out rule and then the five yard face mask and the fifteen yard face mask. So, and I'm glad they got rid of both of those because they realized how idiotic those two rules were. The force out rule with the wide receiver jumping in the air, you can't push him out of bounds. You have to. He literally has all the ability to just land in bounds and then you can hit him. That kind of gay bullshit. And then the uh, he let go of the face mask, so it's a five-yard penalty. That time he held on to the face mask, so it's a 15-yard penalty. They they have, in the past, made really bad rules and then corrected them. I really hope, Jake, I really hope that's the case with this roughing the passer rule and the helmet-to-helmet leading with your head rule. I really do. I hope I hope it changes. Yeah, I and I hope it does too. I mean, I'm all for player safety, but you also don't need to to get to the point where you are actually just – 
hurting the product on the field at times, and it's causing so much inconsistency with the refs. And it, it it's been a big story this and it, year. And I, and it's not just the Cowboys. No, no, it's it's all over. The, this is a league wide problem. Yeah, I agreed. I agreed. Well, Jake, until next week, we will continue this conversation as we always do with another fantastic episode with our fantastic listeners. Jake, that's all I got to say. I think that's all you got to say. We are on CastBox. We are going to be live tomorrow. Uh, We'll post it, share, like, subscribe, do what you got to do. CastBox has been a great home for us. We thank them for everything that they've done for us. That's some free advertisement for you, CastBox. Uh, It has made life so much easier on not only me, but also our listeners. We thank you. Uh, Until next week, everybody, thank you and good night.